Hi, my name's Sean Shaler. This is my friend Chris Ford, and this is Avatar The Last Podcasters, which is our podcast. It's all about Avatar The Last Airbender. And this week we are on to episode four. We're finally kind of leaving, getting out into the world of Avatar. Episode four is called The Warriors of Kyoshi. And yeah, that's really it. Chris, how are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Starting a new job this week. On Monday? It's going fine. So you've been there yes, a whole... Yes, starting Monday. You've been there a whole four days or so? Yep. And you haven't left yet. That's a good sign. Yeah, it is, you know. Uh, I don't know how to do my job yet, which is that's usually the case. I would imagine uh, But that. when I do, I'm sure I would be great at it. <laughs> that's the kind of confidence you need going into a new <laughs> job. I've been at mine for like four yeah. months, and I still got nothing, so I, I hear you. Uh, well, mm. anyway, I have, a, I have like two random pieces of news that you'll appreciate that really don't apply to anything else. Uh, but first of all, I read some Firestorm <laughs> comics, and I thought he'd be proud of me. But then I only made it through like two of them because he is a really confusing, complicated character, and he has way too many powers, and I don't like him. So, uh, uh, is it the white firestorm or the black firestorm? Uh, this is or the both. white firestorm from 1982. It is the the fury of firestorm, the nuclear man, from mm. 1982. Nuclear, to 1990. Yes, and so, uh, yeah, I have a uh, a black version of firestorm here. Is that like the 2004 iteration of firestorm? Um, it probably was 2004 because because the black one. I think he was introduced in one of the greatest comic books that I love, um, um, Identity Crisis. Um, Is that the Flash? Spoiler alert. Uh, no, it's a, it's a story. A superhero's wife gets killed, and everyone's like, we got to find who did this because this person killed, that, killed her because he's a superhero. So now everyone's identity identities are in crisis that makes sense i feel like i've watched that crisis. before maybe you lent it to me at some point but i feel like i've seen it uh, is there an animated uh, i might have just told you about it it's possible. not an animated movie but i think i've just told you about it plenty of times because That's it's possible. one of my favorite comic books it definitely sounds familiar and you're good at painting vivid pictures in my brain apparently so nice work <laughs> the other piece of news that's unrelated but just if you hear it going on in the background right now is there is a there's a moth being born in my home uh somebody gave my wife some caterpillars and they they got to be like really big i forget the name of it but they got to be like really big and then it went into a cocoon and now it's like what out size of cocoon. like how many inches uh so the thing that came out of the cocoon is probably two to three inches long like it's a big oh, okay. thing but it has like little heimlich wings it's almost like it didn't finish growing or something or maybe that's how it's supposed to be but it looks like Heimlich from Bugs Life. My wife says that his wings haven't fully opened yet, but it just looks like a caterpillar with tiny little wings. I am a beautiful butterfly. And that's all I can think of when I stare at this moth. But it is pretty cool, and it's got the dog's attention, too. Like, he's got his eyes on it like he's going to mm. eat it. So something bad could happen in my house. Mm. If you hear anything in the background, it's it's a dog eating a moth. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so those are my two unrelated subjects. I'm not sure where those fit in the podcast, but I felt like talking about them. Nah. Anyway, I thought we would lead off with, you mentioned you might have some notes concerning our podcast from two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, I only have one note. Um, that is that uh, Commander Zhao, he, he is a commander currently. He doesn't become Admiral Zhao until the episode The Blue Spirit. So at Which the great very episode. beginning of the episode, did they call him Captain Zhao, and then he said it's Commander Zhao now, or something on that order? Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. Yep. We couldn't get that straight. I don't know the order yeah. of those things, and my father-in-law would be upset. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's not that hard to memorize, but I don't have it down. Yeah. Uh, well, just one mistake. I did. That being said, I had to edit out a few of my own other mistakes that you don't have to clean up, because I had the ability <laughs> to get rid of the stupid things that I say, so... It's not like there was just one error on my part, but anyway, well, that's good. Yeah. Just one note. I do have, I do have a, a a great update. You know that that commercial you showed in episode one of Appa one. and Aang. I oh, did. What a great commercial! Oh yeah, and then I mentioned that I was uh, looking out on this eBay, and uh, I was able to get this. Uh, I don't want to make the other stuff fall. 
I know, Cora, stay there. There's going to be a terrible okay. domino effect on that shelf. On live podcast <laughs> television. It's going to be amazing. That's a huge oppa. It's, oh it's pretty great. It looks like, is that like a foot and a half long? Like, what are we talking there? That's a big oppa. Uh, no, yeah, it's really good. And it has, uh, I really like the articulation of, of oppa. It's had moves and stuff. Yeah. And, uh. He has little wheels here, so he kind of glides <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> That's like he has funny. a wheel right there. So it kind of just looks like he's float flying, I guess. But... Freddy's gliding very smoothly. Yeah. That's at all arms his legs move a lot. independently. Oh, yeah. And then he, he also makes little that was, noises. That was right in the mic. That was beautiful. It really captured that <laughs> nicely. He sounds like a plastic version of a 10 ton animal. <laughs> scary. <laughs> oh, I wish Charlie could hear that. Right but now. uh, I won this on eBay for four dollars shipping. I'm, I'm sorry, shipping was like ten dollars. Because he's um, a huge animal. I get it. Yeah, I know. So, we when we buy stuff on eBay, we don't like to pay for shipping for some reason. I do not. Well, uh, <laughs> because how does it work when you apply gift cards or something like that? If uh, gift cards and percentages off never apply to shipping, that's a big reason. I don't uh, know. I don't oh, yeah, that makes sense. I think that's how it works. But uh, so, did, was it just Oppa, or did it come with the other anybody to ride? No, it was it was just Oppa. That's so, okay. So now you have your have Suko a, character oh, from the freaking... first week that can ride on Oppa and be confusing. That's yeah. exciting. Or, or any number yeah. of pop bobbleheads. Um, it's funny because I think other used versions of this on eBay go for like forty dollars. I would have easily spent. Uh, I probably would have spent thirty dollars on this, honestly. Sucker! Once I, I saw it, I thought to myself, it "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Once I saw it and it was there, I was like, "Hmm, I really want that Appa." This is a pretty good looking Appa, and I'm I feel very like much in- I feel like your children can enjoy the Appa. There looks like there are very few small mm-hmm. parts to swallow. Something. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't let my kids play with <laughs> toys of mine. It's not really. a toy. It's an action figure. Like, like all these Batmobiles up here. Well, that's no, different. My, uh, that's different. Yeah, my daughter's not. She doesn't get to play with those. I. That's probably um, a good policy. She, she was really excited when I opened the box. You opened it in front of her, and now you're not going to let her play with it? Mm, probably not. You're a, that's... That hurts me. That hurts me. That's well. painful. Well, <laughs> if uh, well, speaking of eBay, there's about to be a glut of Firestorm comics about 20 issues from the years <laughs> 1982 to 1989 uh, spread out that go up on eBay. So, you know, if you're interested, you know what? If, whatever. If you want those, you can have those, by the way. But anyways... <laughs> To uh, to episode four. Let's well, you know, actually, first let's let's do a quick synopsis. Uh, so last week was episode three. It's called the Southern Air Temple. So the whole crew went to the Southern Air Temple, even though Katara said this is a bad idea. A lot's changed in a hundred years. So Aang gets there and he shows them around, and it's totally deserted and scary. There's a flashback where we meet Monk Gyatso, and then they go into the air. Uh, what is it called? The Avatar Temple, the Air Temple Sanctuary. Excuse me. And there's awesome statues of mm-hmm. every previous avatar. And then they run into Momo, who's a lemur. And he's essentially a plot device to get him from point A to point B. Aang finds out Monk Hiatsa's dead, goes in the avatar state, gets really angry. And then on another side of the story, Zuko stops at a Fire Nation base because his ship is in disrepair. So he that's where they run into Captain Zhao slash now Commander Zhao. And he tries, Zuko tries to hide the fact that he knows where Aang is. Xiao finds out, and then they have an Agni Kai, and it's really cool at the end of that episode. So that was last week, and that leads into this week, which is basically a pit stop. And that's what episode four is. They are making a pit stop off in the Earth Kingdom. I believe it's way far south in the Earth Kingdom. It's still cold there. At least that's the impression I get. Mostly because Aang Mm -hmm. wants to ride a giant koi. It's called an elephant koi. And so that's what leads us into this week's episode, which, as you'll come to find out throughout this podcast is not my favorite episode in the world (laughs) it feels a little inconsequential in the grand scheme of things so with that being said let's get right into the first scene
All right. Uh, is this the first scene? It might be. Yes. Oh wait, no. Is it? Okay, oh, yeah, I thought I thought the first the exact first scene was with Zuko, um, where he's meditating, which I do love him meditating. You know, and also it was a great uh, it was a great imagery, especially because there was like flames and and you could you know when flames are in darkness, you know flames are aren't still. That light isn't still. Um, but you could just see the light kind of flickering off of his face. I thought that was great. I think, um, I he think was really that calm. is right after this. I think this comes first because she's sewing the pants and she throws the pants at his face. Regardless, regardless. They're both, this, that's okay, essentially yeah. the first piece mm-hmm. of the story. So. Yeah, yes, yeah. He's pre- he pretty much says, like, Iroh comes in when goes meditating, and I was like, I got some bad news for you. And he's like, you taught me I should be calm. That's and the quality then, of a great uh, he's leader. Like, we lost... Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, he says, "We lost the Avatar." <laughs> we have no then, idea where he is. <laughs> yeah. And then Zuko gets mad, and they look at a map. They're like, "He's clearly a master at at hiding or at." <laughs> but no, it's not. You're right. Aang is just trying first. to look for. Aang is just trying to look for the elephant koi where they're at. You're right. That does come first because he pulls up the map and. They're like, he's clearly a master of evasive maneuvers yeah. or something crazy like that. Yes, yes. And then, yeah, they're just <laughs> yeah. flying all over looking for Elephant Koi. Which brings us officially to this scene, then, where yes. Katara yeah. is sewing a pair of Sokka's pants. <laughs> and we get to a good old, like, yeah. chauvinist Sokka right off the bat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, also, Angus trying. She's sewing his pants. It really kind of minor business. Which then you see that. I feel like all throughout this episode, you see uh, Katara's motherly side, or really her more responsible side, is really the case. I wouldn't say motherly, but just she's responsible for a lot of their well-being. Um, Aang is trying to impress her because Aang is pretty attention-hungry all the time. Uh, which one thing, he trained Momo to just like go into himself and grab marbles. And we learn in future episodes that Katara has not trained Momo how to go get things. Uh, we learned that in the Blue Spirit. <laughs> Momo answers to uh, one person. Yeah, apparently. Um, and then he shows her, like, him spinning the marble in his hands, which gets called back, like, years later in Korra, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> and then and then Sokka's like, Aang, don't interrupt girls while they're doing their sewing thing. So off the bat, you know, Sokka just being just so... uh. Gosh, I forgot the stupid word. Masaki. Um, <laughs> yeah, Masaki. Yeah, Masaki. Masaki. Yeah. That's kind of the basis for this whole episode of it's, it's a Sokka, very much a Sokka related episode. That Sokka gets his uh, comeuppance, but also he uh, learns a thing or two. This scene sets the tone for the rest of the episode, and the reason that I don't like the episode is because we get the worst part of all three people. You get like. Attention, yeah, yes. childish Aang. <laughs> you get kind of snotty Katara, and then you get Sokka being mm-hmm. a, being a Sokka, <laughs> and it it all comes together in this first scene. So then Sokka throws the pants at his face, and they still have a hole in him. And then Aang and he gets mad. He's like, "Please, you got to fix him." And then Aang's like, "Where we're going, you don't need pants," which is just a lie. I do like that. that. Right, it's just a lie yeah. that I like. It doesn't really lead to much, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, so then they land on the on the seashore of a bay, and apparently Aang has found what he was looking for. Yeah, uh, my I think kids, and I think this is like these earlier episodes uh, are more aimed at kids because anytime kids are in underwear, I mean anytime people are in underwear on TV shows, kids tend to laugh at that. That's funny. My daughter laughed at this. Especially, he just laughed. I was like, you don't need pants. And I'm like, yeah, that appeals to my childish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do love that line. It's a it good line. Good. Um, but yeah, he's just uh, trying to impress Katara, really, with this. So they... Yeah, and the thing about... <laughs> I'll get into more later on how Aang is... Uh, it's probably my, my least favorite... My second to least favorite episode with Aang Nope, third. Um, how Aang acts. I don't have to get a memory all... for episodes individually, but it's it's not my favorite version of Aang by any means. Yeah. The thing is, people give Korra crap all the time. 
<laughs> I'm like, you know how many times Aang was just an annoying little kid? You're so defensive of Korra. You know what? Korra's annoying most of the time. Aang's got like two or three episodes. Nah, Korra is not annoying. I I think if we added it up, <laughs> like we, we need an annoying counter here once we get to Korra. <laughs> We can we because we can objectively look at these things and not just the ah, number of episodes where whatever. I hate this person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he jumps in the water, which is really really cold, by the way. You see right away, and then he goes and catches this koi, and he's just trying to show off, like he's riding on a koi, trying to get their attention, and he's just just being a kid mostly. I shouldn't be too mean, but he's riding the koi, and then he's trying to get their attention, and they're waving and stuff at him, and he thinks it's because he's got their attention, but it's actually because the uh, the Unagi is coming up behind him. And yes. then, do I got that order right? All right, so the Unagi... He, yes, and then he he just runs on top of water <laughs> and gets away from the Unagi. He just, Jesus Christ is it. Yes. And then he runs into Sokka. <laughs> and then he runs into Sokka. I did on count this one. Sokka isn't head first in anything, but he did end up... Uh, in some Count snow, it. so yeah. I counted it. That's Sokka count three. That's three and four episodes. He's on a pretty good pace. So yeah, he walks in water basically, or sprints across it. And so Jesus metaphor, uh, because this giant sea dragon thing chases <laughs> him out. And then we finally get to some actual meat of the episode. After this, they're basically on the beach here, trying to slap some sense back into Sokka. And then by oh, yeah. there's the counter. And then the Kyoshi warriors drop in from all around him and tie him up. Uh, yeah, so they, they sneak, attack them, um, and then they're, they're, uh, they chain them to this statue of Avatar Kiyoshi, which at this point, you don't even know it's Avatar Kiyoshi, it's just a statue, or you don't even know who the heck this person is. It's just a pole on um, the bottom, you can't even see the person yes. at first, it's just a pole. Yeah, yeah, it's just a pole, um, and then they finally, un- they blindfold them, and they take all the blindfolds, and Sokka's like, where's the man who captured us? What? And just so chauvinistic, like just assuming it was man. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and as I know, it was us that captured the Kyoshi warriors. You know, this is our first introduction to Suki. Um, and then they say, all right, just throw them back to the Unagi. They might be Fire Nation. And Aang, he says, you know, I'm the Avatar. Or they, they said that he says, oh, I know Kyoshi. Kyoshi is the Kyoshi's I'm you know, I'm the Avatar. Kyoshi was my past life. And they're like, no, you're not the Avatar. You know, was an airbender who died hundreds of years ago. And then he airbends four hundred years ago out. Kyoshi, I think, was born four hundred years ago, I believe. Yes. I think she lived to be two hundred and thirty. It's a good life. I'm right. It's a good run. Yeah. Life lifespan varies a lot in the show. I, just I think watched, if you think I about just it, episode five after, like after I watched this one, yeah, it's very evident very soon that life expectancy <laughs> is way better. They must have free Medicare or something. Like when fire nation takes yeah. over, they're going to take away free Medicare. And I don't know. It's going to get bad. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause Aang only lived to be, well, technically he lived to be like 167 or something. Um, but his actual life is like 67, so he lived to be a fraction of Kyoshi. Now, Avatar Roku was like 100 something, because you can kind of date back all of their uh, time. Only 67, he must have uh, had some bad he, habits or something. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just freezing in the water. Didn't I mean, uh, maybe watch that. Maybe yeah, right. Physically, he didn't uh, he didn't age at the same rate as us, but over the course of a hundred years, he probably still aged yeah, in a sense. That's yeah. some wear and tear. Maybe not. I don't know. Sixty-seven seems yeah. pretty. I do know. Avatar. I do know. Sokka outlived Aang. <clears throat> That's disappointing to me. Really <laughs> disappointing. But whatever. I mean, a lot of people outlived Aang. Sokka eats. Uh, spoiler Sokka alert. eats blubber. <laughs> like that can't be good for you. That's true. It cannot be good for you. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but then he says, "I'm the Avatar." I think it's the crowd there. One thing: the Kyoshi warriors and that. Old guy, there. I don't know what he does. Kind of the They're leader-ish. like, oh gosh. It seems like a village elder. Yeah, yeah. Like it is true. It's the Avatar. Like they start getting real religious. I mean, I wouldn't say they get religious, but they get in awe about it. And Aang finally getting the the attention he's wanted. He just busts out. All right, and watch this. And he takes out the 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 marbles and spins it. 
And then and then we ha- we got here the foamy mouth guy. <laughs> like that is his legit name, the foaming mouth guy. This village seems like first of all the ratio of women and men has to be like 4 to 1 in this island. Yeah. It's all women. And then you got this random guy that just foams in the mouth and screams and he kind of creeps me out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. It's a good it's a good example of how uh, highly revered the avatar still is in certain regions. They, it is weird that they see him like you said religion. It's definitely not it's more like celebrity here like these I don't, I don't know any religion where they would treat their their savior much like Aang is being treated in this episode. Um but the point is that he's still wildly revered even though he's been gone for a hundred years and lots of people think he's just a myth. So that's kind of funny the different ways people are going to celebrate him as they become introduced to him over the series. Um, so I think all wrapped yeah. up in this scene too. I think I wrapped a lot up into this. There was a lot of screenshots I wanted to take, but I'm really lazy. But a lot of stuff happens yeah. here. Like I really like where the guy, there's a guy trying to paint a portrait of Aang and then yes. like one little girl shows up with Aang and he puts the painting back up and he starts <laughs> adding her and he puts it down and there's like three more and he puts it back up, and then he puts it down, and there's like five more, and then he just sits the, pa- sits the painting down and walks away. And they're cleaning up the statue. Like, they're, they're yes. lifting up the whole town just because Aang showed up and proved himself to be real. It's it's kind of exciting. It's a cool montage. Yeah, and then also in that montage, like the girls are chasing him all around. Uh, in the commentary, which I don't have anymore, but I know I... I know that commentary exists. <laughs> I almost feel like rebuying each season just to have a commentary. But then I'm paying like $15 just to hear commentary about something that I've owned twice. I would let, um, let me watch commentary- my extras before you buy it. Let me watch my extras and I can validate for you. But anyway. Uh, in the commentary, they said they, uh, they were going for a uh, Beatles inspiration of girls chasing the Beatles, the music group, all around. Well... It ends, I believe. He's like in the air on a little air ball, like kind of hugging it, like he'd be floating on a beach ball in the water. Yeah, but he yeah, can't sustain exactly. it. And then he falls into him, and he's he's just carried off. And so, yeah, they definitely caught the celebrity vibe. So good work there. So it's a cool montage, and like I said, it shows sort of a different way. You know, we've already seen how he was celebrated in the uh, um, for the by the Southern Water Tribe. I mean, it was exciting. But not really, because they ended up banishing him, so they didn't have a whole lot of reverence for it. And then he gets here, and maybe it's just because they have recently had an avatar, like enough that it's still strong in their oral history, so it's that much more exciting to them. Probably not the case in the Southern Water Tribe. So then, all this montage is going on, and then sort of concurrently, uh, Sokka finally, finally gets what's coming to him. Yeah, he goes in there like, uh, oh, sorry to interrupt you, girls, doing Into girl this training. Kind of, a, kind of a dojo training, training building. Yeah, and then Sokka pretty much says, like, he's um, the strongest warrior or something. I'm and uh, he could teach him some stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he tries to, like, it is, it's like mansplaining in the Avatar <laughs> universe. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought I'd get to use that here. That's good. No, that's great use of that word. Not, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's trying to teach, trying to be like, hey, I'm a great fighter. Let me teach you a couple things. While these are some of the top fighters, I want to say in the world. Um, and then he teaches them, like, hey, try to this. <laughs> I'm going to go. And then he punches at her. And then she just, like, yeah, right here. She just yeah, puts up one hand. This is block. the first punch he tries to throw, and it's like a real big wind-up for a big, bright hook. And Yeah. yeah. So uh, it does it does present another problem I have with this episode is that I don't, I don't know if I'm using the right terminology here. Everything feels a little sort of shallow and predictable, uh, but it's still funny. Mm-hmm. It still comes off fun. Um, it's done nicely. And then, to your point, maybe the strongest just individual – warriors that definitely that we've seen so far because they later on in the episode they're taking on firebenders and they've got nothing but their fans and they're still doing fight like they're holding their own against at an extreme disadvantage and it does a good job of portraying them as very good warriors so um yeah yeah so he gets he gets blocked and then he essentially is embarrassed and then he prostrates himself and begs forgiveness and asks if he can train with them 
um, and they make him put on the dress, but they do let him train with them. And I was going to see if you knew you had mentioned that most each of the each of the types of benders sort of represented a real style. These guys aren't benders, mm. but I wanted to see if there if you had a if it represented a realistic fighting um, style at all. I want to say that. It's, I mean, I, I don't know as well as the other bending styles, but I believe there is a legit fighting style based off of fans that I'm sure they drew inspiration from. I am not 100% sure on that. Um, well, but, uh, even, yeah, even thinking in. less about the fans and more about the idea that they're just uh, they're sort of using, let's call it like counter-momentum, uh, defensive yeah. counter-momentum is sort of the whole fighting style. So I'm sure that's based off something real. I'd like to know more about that. Uh, but they do train him, and he does uh, he does get better. And at one point, he actually gets the best of Suki, and she actually gets pretty mad at it. It's sort of funny. It's one of my favorite parts of the episode, just because she gets legitimately mad. She's not even proud of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing about the thing I do love about Saga is that a lot of times, whether it's whether it's a force upon him or not, he humbles himself very often. I mean, when he went to go, like usually he, it's he, operator error. <laughs> yeah, I'm. A, I mean, there was a one time when he went to go teach, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm the. You know, I come from a small village. I'm probably the strongest person, uh, but I have a lot to learn." And um, and Saka really doesn't. You know, he doesn't have any bending or anything. So I think oftentimes one thing he doesn't think that high level himself a lot of times um so he humbles himself here so he can learn from them and uh yeah and he, you know he puts on the suit and everything and i think one moment i do love is that he puts the suit on the dress on and and he's like oh i gotta wear the dress and she pretty much like the green is for um honor and something silk, else is for power threads pride the pride running through their veins the silk threads that are um, running through yeah. the fabric is the pride in their veins or something like that. Yeah, and then Sokka proudly goes, pride and honor. And then uh, Aang walks by and says, hey, Sokka, nice dress. Um, which which is kind of, it's funny. It's also Aang being a jerk. <laughs> so It's another like example said, of this episode where you can chalk Aang up to being a little punk. Yeah. Uh, well, there's that part, and then I, I forget which scene it's in, if it's in this one or if I cut this in two, but it happens more than once, too. Like, Aang's like, nice dress, and then later, uh, when the Fire Nation starts attacking, the old guy comes up, and he's like, uh, yeah. ladies, we need you out there right now, and he's like, oh, <laughs> uh, forget it. And like, so he, I don't know, even that's sort of a weird sign of him, like, you know what, it doesn't matter, let's just get to work. So, yeah. first time we really see Sokka hum- humble himself, because uh, that definitely has not been the case up to this point. But it happens, as you mentioned, it happens more and more throughout the series, and it gets more and more sincere and self-aware in a good way. Mm-hmm. So good for you, Sokka. Okay, so that was this scene um, where the where the old guy came up the the village, the village elder. I don't does he even have a name? And then because the Fire Nation has found them, um, it's it does like a telephone effect thing where they see one girl telling somebody like, "Hey, do you hear the avatars here?" And then that guy tells somebody else, and that guy tells somebody else. So before you know it, Zuko yeah. knows where they're at, and he shows up, and he just instantly starts wrecking anything. One thing I would like to call out is this is the first time we see the rhinos. They're just riding these giant rhinos mm-hmm. like horses, and that's pretty exciting. That, that's not the yeah, most Yeah, those rhinos are amazing. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to ride a rhino. So, uh, yeah, yeah, but this is sort of the the climax of the whole episode. It's the big fight. Um, it's Zuko and... Not a ton of other firebenders. It looks like it seems like there's just three or four of them, but they're just ransacking this whole village. Yeah, and that's the thing about this episode is that this is kind of a typical '90s cartoon episode where the characters, like where where Zuko is just the villain that's always going to be causing trouble. Like he's he's Team Rocket. He's the shredder to their like, turtles. It's always him causing the problem in every episode. And yeah, and then they get away. <laughs> like he causes trouble, they beat him or something, and they get away. Because this episode really doesn't have that much Zuko in it. Like he comes in. This is probably the last three minutes of the episode. Right. Like the he comes in the first minute, minute and, and he comes in the last three minutes. And it's pretty quick fight. 
so the other thing, so yes. I already, uh, we already talked just to hear about the the Kyoshi Warriors are taking on these Firebenders and doing well, uh, just with stealth and their fans. So they're doing fine. Uh, but Suko does get off and he shows off some pretty cool moves here. I would like to say the other counter mm-hmm. I'd like to start is he does the Spinaroonie again right here. He like yes. clears out a whole yes. wave of. So I think he's got the. I, it's a, it's not a true Spinaroonie. It's just a he sweep, has it, but he always starts from the ground when he does it, and that's what makes me think it's Spinaroonie. So this is Spinaroonie number two from Suko, and it clears like or a whole number one. wave. Uh, no, because he did it to oh, to beat uh, Commander Zhao. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah Spinaroonie number two. He does it again in the, another Agni Kai. He does it a lot. It's, it's his go- Miyagi taught him sweep. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's like it's not really a Spinaroonie, but he's, he always seems to start from the ground, and it does a good job of showing off how powerful he is here. Because, like I said, he sweeps, mm. I think, three different Kyoshi warriors just into the wall or something like that. So. Um, yeah, I really do love this love this fight scene here. Even though it's really small, I mean, he gets quickly surrounded by three Kyoshi warriors, and they're um, very formidable. Yeah, he just does the sweep. Um, also, I like the camera angle that it does. Like you can see all three of them, but still with focus on Zuko. Yeah, he just does the uh, Spinaroonie, fire all over, and uh, and gets them. Um, I don't care for this fight because basically you have here, and then you go here, and the fight's kind of over. Like there's no closure to it. Like <laughs> Sokka and yeah, Suki not... <laughs> are hiding behind a building while this fight's going on. They don't even get a watch. It's probably a great fight. I don't know. But whatever, we're here behind this building. Uh, yeah, because after, oh, and then during this fight, they dropped their fans, and uh, and I was really confused for a while when I when I first started watching the show, because I was like, okay, I got it, the avatars, their past lives, um, and then when they came up to Avatar Kyoshi, I was like, okay, she's an Airbender. I thought she was an Airbender because she has fans. Makes sense. Fans. Seem like they would be good weapons for an Airbender. You would think. I was like, but this doesn't this doesn't make sense though. Roku was before him, and then then it was Kyoshi. This order isn't making any sense because um, Aang picked up the fans like really cool. They're on the ground, and he just picks them with the Airbending, and then he does this like double spin air attack onto Zuko and just blast them off. I was like, man, he should be fighting with fans more often. It works really well for him. I kind of forgot that happened, actually. Um, I was yeah. thinking, my, my mind went here to, uh, just thought of this now, it's kind of funny that they're using fans, which kind of makes you think Airbender. They're from, I, I think it's part of the Earth Kingdom, right? So makes yes. you think of Earthbender. There's some of them that are wearing thick blue uh, clothing that kind of remind you of Waterbenders. So they kind of got a lot of stuff yeah. going on there. Um, yeah, definitely. And then they have no bending powers whatsoever. So they're just like, all right, let's just... We want to be on the winning side, so we're just going to do everything except for the Fire Nation. We don't want to mess with that. No, uh, but it is kind of cool. It seems like there's some elements. I didn't think of the air thing until just now. I just I noticed the uh, the water bending closes the first thing you notice because like the village elder has on a big blue coat mm-hmm. that looks just like something soccer Katara would wear. Everyone else wears blue. Yeah. Everybody but the warriors. That's true. Yeah. So kind of strange. Um, but yeah, I would assume Kyoshi. You know what? Is there anything in that town that is like a demonstration of her being an earthbender? Like, is there a, a killer temple or anything? I don't I don't think there's any evidence that she ever... I'm sure there's somewhere. Uh, um, I mean, the island itself is a reminder that she's the avatar. <laughs> just, I feel like she should have had um, like a... Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm probably making too much she... of nothing, but... I mean, she her past her her she actually has a really good, interesting past. She does. It's um, one that I think like a lot we of... will enjoy talking about on tangents. Um, definitely, as we get deeper in this series, yes. as you've even mentioned before in Korra and in some of the in between canon. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. So, pretty, yeah, like you said, this fight ends pretty quickly. Once Aang just freaking blows the crap out of Zuko, he just kind of has this weird look, like. Uh, and then he flies away. <laughs> he he figures it out. Like and then we get to this scene him. here. Uh, yeah, like, this isn't this isn't the fight that I need to be having. So he flies away, and then they're getting away here. Um, I kind of do like this moment of Suki. I don't know if you like it or not. I do. Where not. Sokka apologizes. Okay. Oh, that part I like. <laughs> that part's fine. That part's Let's fine. Have a, 
<laughs> where Sokka, you know, slows down for a minute, apologizes, like, I should have treated you like the warrior you are. I'm sorry. And Suki says, you know, I am a warrior, but I'm a girl too. And I like that moment because oftentimes when it comes to female characters, people like to, I feel like people like to pigeonhole them and to, into being like a straight up warrior or being uh, a girly girl, or maybe they don't want them to be that way. Um, like a lot of them want their women characters just to be like, kind of flat and one BAs. Yeah. Um, but like Wonder Woman, I think she was done really well in the Wonder Woman movie that way. Like she loves Steve Trevor, but also she was a freaking one woman wrecking crew. Um, but she still you know, loves Steve Trevor. That's what. It it helps that she's not the, ugly. It helps a lot. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> I I have uh, a problem with this but, scene though. That part that's all good. I love that uh, that soccer apologizes. Like I said, it's kind of the first sort of earnest. Like so, they've kind of gotten over the hump already. But this he actually apologizes. So that's cool. And then like you mentioned, it's nice to see some some depth to a female character. But how old are these kids? They're like behind a shed kissing like two hours oh, after they met. Like. What is, how old are they? Uh, it's just, They've it's, known each other it's like for a like summertime like smooch. Two hours. It's like a summer camp. It's like, <laughs> it's People have done worse. And all I can think of this whole time is like, it's just because there's no dudes on this island other than Foam at the Mouth guy, which like he's not getting kissed anytime <laughs> soon. There's old guy and foam at the mouth guy and the artist. One thing that, that guy looks like he's like 24 but doesn't have a job. Right. He he lives in his mom's basement and he probably does podcasts yeah. in his spare time. Like that's the kind of person we're dealing with there. Who am I kidding? We're both yeah, married. That guy lives by himself in his mom's basement. But it's like these kids, they've known each other for a couple hours, right? Like this is all in the same day. And then that lends to the other problem I have, uh, maybe, not the other, I have lots of problems with this episode, but I also <laughs> don't like, it's still a good episode, I just, several nitpicks, but I also don't like how fast Zuko gets there. It's like, one, one, let's say, it, <laughs> it feels like it's like, alright, it's in the morning, and they get there, and they ride this koi, and they introduce, and then Zuko's a jerk, and then by the evening... <laughs> All these people are already tired of Aang, and Suko shows up, and and Suki's kissing Sokka behind the sheds. Like that's a really long, and yet fast action-packed kind of day. I'm, but is maybe it's two days? Maybe I missed. I'm trying to think uh, of uh, when they when they're eating, they're eating the pastries. Aang does he say something mm-hmm. like dessert for breakfast? So maybe it's a couple days. Cause says, yeah, because they wouldn't have been there probably in the morning. I can specifically remember it. So okay, so there's a couple of days in there. I don't know how many days. Whatever, kids, get stop that. Get out of there, <laughs> yeah. little rascals. Get away. Um, but it does. <laughs> but happen. hey, it's just it's just a cheat kiss. It is. She's pretty appropriate with it. And Sokka, is, Sokka, yeah. as we find out through through the seasons, he's a player. He is. A, he's he not is. A, he's not a one woman man, but. This doesn't really wrap up the fight scene. Like, it's kind of still going on. But basically, when Aang leaves, uh, and the reason that he leaves is because all the firebenders, all the Fire Nation people follow him. And then it's kind of like fight over. So Sokka's trying to leave here. Oh, I skipped ahead. Didn't mean to. Sokka's trying to leave. I do. I wish I'd captured it now. Because Aang goes back to the, what's the, the sea dragon? In my mind, Unagi. He, the Unagi. In my mind, he's a Megalodon, because I play too many video games. But the Unagi... And he essentially uh, kind of coaxes him out of the water, and he's riding on him. And he it's kind of a cool scene. He gets him to put out all the fires, like the town's still all on fire. And he just kind of gets it to cause like a big tidal wave, and he puts out all the fires. And yeah, kind of fight over. Like It's, it's <laughs> a very you... quick, short anticlimax to the episode. Yeah, and that old guy's like, thank you, Avatar. Well, I'm like, he's the one that brought this here. What are you thinking him like that? Like, he just... You're thinking him, I don't know, it was just, the thank you wasn't needed, I, I guess. Or it wasn't, he shouldn't have been that grateful. It's not like he should have been like, yeah, they it doesn't were fix impoverished the in the roof. or chained up before. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, the fire's gone, but if it rains tonight, like, it's cold here. Um, mm. On that same note, it's worth pointing out that at the beginning of the episode, the old guy is the one that says, we, we've stayed out of the war so far, and we intend to do mm-hmm. so. So now it's also just like this pop culture celebrity like comes along and throws his his name in the hat and then they're like, 
all right, I guess we're okay with the war, and the Fire Nation shows up and sets everything on fire. And then Aang leaves and gets the picture, and then, like you said, he says thank you. Like, all right, well, I guess we're still okay with it now. Uh, it's the, the politics in that it's town kinda are interesting, a, little, though. a little weird. I wonder, and I'm just not thinking about this, I wonder were they uh, opposed to going to the war because, I mean, the, Kyoshi, the creation of Kyoshi was all about them not being involved with war. It is an island um, I don't too, wanna... right? By it's like it's separated. It's its own landmass. Yes, it is. It is. It is a complete island, which is one of my favorite moments in the, in the show. Um, but it doesn't happen until season two. Ugh. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Kyoshi Kyoshi founded the island because she didn't want her people to be subject to war. So maybe that, or she no her her specific words were. She wanted them safe from invaders. Um, so maybe, you know, you know how ideology goes. Like, someone has a thought here, and then, oh, being safe from invaders means somewhere down the line means we don't get involved in wars. Kind of just escalates upon itself gradually over, over yeah. 400 years in this case. Um, yes. yeah. So it kind of makes sense. And then that isolation, that's probably why we get some of those weird cultural things of like I said, having, you know, sort of waterbender quote-unquote clothes and the fans and the, just the the unique culture that everywhere else seems to have a specific, uh, I guess a more more specifically aligned culture to their nation or to their yeah. bending. So this is kind of an interesting mix, and maybe that's part of it is because they're sort of isolated and removed from everything else. Yeah, the other weird thing with Kyoshi Warriors is like, where are their parents at? Like, everyone else whose parents aren't around, I get it. I understand, like, Sarka, Katara, their dad is off at war, their mom was killed, Aang just doesn't have any parents, so he was been killed, Zuko's dad burnt him, and he's, well, that hasn't been, <laughs> you haven't found that out yet, I mean, you, you pretty much know, um, his Spoiler mom, alert. you have no idea, um, but so far, it's like, well, I don't know who, where these girls' parents are, I mean, it doesn't really matter and i nobody guess seems to care i'm telling you there's one old guy and a bunch of young girls on this <laughs> island it's creepy uh at least the old guy's, one foamy mouth guy one foamy mouth guy that's old guy's son <laughs> like he had all these daughters trying to have a son they finally had a son he's like oh this gosh was... this oh my gosh this now sounds like game of thrones this was a terrible idea <laughs> so anyway that's do you that's... watch game of thrones I have seen up through season four, I believe, and then I ran okay, out so, of the so, ability yeah. to watch it. Uh, so you know Craster, yes. right? Mm-hmm. There's Craster's Keep, which is over the wall, and pretty much they only the the Night's Watch only has him out there because he uh, helps supply them and gives them a shelter when they go over the wall, north of the wall. Um, and they just let him do whatever he wants. Like, but anytime, but he keeps all those girls himself. Like, he has a baby. If it's a girl, he keeps it. And then when she's old enough, he those has more stuff. children with that girl. It's but if it's a boy, up. he gives it. He just leaves it out in the woods for uh, the White Walkers. You know, I think uh, I know it's uh, maybe not right to to point fingers at at other people's ideologies, but I don't like that one. <laughs> I'm not. No, you. Uh, yeah, I think it's perfectly fine judging people when uh, <laughs> <laughs> when something's like that. We all believe different stuff. I'm gonna say nobody should believe that in real in real life. That one should yeah. stay on television. <laughs> that brings us to our our commercial break. And so last week I did a bad creepy toy. I wanted to find a commercial again, but I saw this toy and it lined up with the episode, but I couldn't find a commercial for it. Mm. But uh, this week. The, the commercial, our, our podcast is sponsored by the Rhinoceros from the Fire Nation. Uh, I forget that, so it was on Amazon, I believe, had the dimensions, and this was big too. Like the thing itself was like a foot, like a foot long from, I guess, from yeah. like the horn to the tip of the tail or something. Like it was a big, a big rhinoceros. And I guess all the They really make some great toys. They are, and they're so detailed. And it was kind of expensive. Like I want to say this is like 25 bucks or something. So it was. It was kind of pricey. It's new in the box, but they're so detailed and they're very large. And then there's so many of them. Like I feel like you could put together, a, like <laughs> the whole Avatar universe in toys. Like they have everything, and this one just caught my eye because of the episode. So 
Really mm, cool. Don't details. tell me that because your wife is going to be upset at me. It's going to be bad. I don't remember who manufactures them. I meant to look just to see I... and like do some manufacturer research. Totally f forgot to do it. But they just all look like they're done incredibly well. So, uh, yeah, cool Avatar Rhinoceros toy. There's tons of toys. I miss doing the commercial, though. Like, next week, I'm going to try to find us a video commercial. It is Mattel. Mattel. It is Mattel. That makes a lot of sense. Mattel, uh, the creators of the Intellivision. I'd say it's yeah. a fun fact. It's really it's... not that fun. Hot Wheels, These right? These are made in, like, 2005. Hot Wheels is Mattel, too. I I'm believe sure. so. Uh, Barbie, Hot Wheels... The the guy that made Sega famous during the console wars, Tom Kalinske, that guy came from Mattel previously. Yes, I have all these toys here that I can reference. Things Hot Wheels, <laughs> Mattel does make Hot Wheels too. What is the uh, what is that particular Hot Wheel? Is it related to Batman? Uh, it's a Catwoman Hot Wheel. I get all the superhero Hot Wheels I can. I feel like or villain. And this I is feel a, like Catwoman, Catwoman would not shell out for that kind of a vehicle. She would just steal somebody else's good vehicle. Um, yeah, Mattel. Well, that makes sense. I said, but it just—they all just look extremely detailed, and they're all very big. Like you could have a very impressive Avatar universe in your home if you didn't need disposable income for other things. So cool. Yeah. Toy. I'm gonna try to find a commercial next week. Okay, uh, that gets—that is such a cool. Such a, hold it up just a little higher. Just a little higher. A little more. And now to your left. Boom. Beautiful. Looks good. All right, you got it. He flew away. <laughs> how do you... I forget what... Uh, that's an episode where Sokka's like, how do you argue with a 10-ton animal? Oh, uh, Aang's trying to convince him. <laughs> that's so horrifying. <laughs> I have nightmares about that in my sleep. Uh, Aang's trying to convince him that he's stopping because Appa's tired. And he's like, you're tired. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Sokka's like, how do you argue with a 10 ton animal? Uh, so ratings. Um, so audiovisual, I did a 7.5. In hindsight, I wish I could take this back and make it just a little bit higher. Uh, because you get to see him riding the Koi and riding the Unagi and a decent fight scene. But then when I think about it, there's just nothing that – there's no really intense music. There's not a lot of drama in any of the audiovisual. Like there's just – at no point does things just blow your – like last 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 episode, we had just one or two great scenes we talked about that were just mind-boggling. They're so exciting. It's all we could think about. This episode doesn't have any of that. Nothing stands out. No good music or anything. It's still good. Nice to see some different color palettes again. Now we're finally starting to see some greens. Um, we did see Suko long enough that we got to see sort of the whole gambit. So I always appreciate that good broad color palettes in, in, in an individual episode. Story, I, it's a seven. It's a good story. It's got a beginning and an end, unlike the last episode. Like, it is sort of its own standalone story. It's just not that interesting. Like I said, the beginning, it's it's a pit stop. That's really all it is. And it's an introduction to Kiyoshi, and we also see the worst parts of all three protagonists. So... A seven might have honestly been too high, but I like that we finally got a beginning to end story and we saw some character growth, uh, at least from Sokka and Aang. We saw some character growth from the beginning to the end of the episode. So I did like that. And then memorable, I do give it an eight and I like this episode a lot. It sticks in my mind because of Kiyoshi, uh, because of the Unagi riding the killer Koi. I feel like there's something about this episode where they're finally out in the world in my mind. Like they're, they're, they're finally out there and moving and something about that sticks in my brain is like this is sort of the gateway to the rest of the story where they're actually getting out and about and saving people and meeting everybody so something about this episode sticks in my mind even if it probably doesn't deserve to uh, but it does and that leads to a nice round 7.5 mm, nice yeah, it's not All right, episode, uh, it's okay it's a good episode <laughs> yeah we're we're fairly aligned, I think. Yeah, we were. Uh, so audiovisual, yeah. Uh, I only gave a seven. I mean, you hit on a lot of great points. Um, yeah, musically, there really isn't there's anything no, great. In it. I mean, just there's, during, you know, during no the real... montage, there's just some very light music that you don't hear at any other point. Like some very light. Uh, that's about all I got. Yeah. And, uh, and visually, I mean, I like the scene with uh, the beginning scene with 
like I explained before, with Zuko and his meditation. Um, and then some of the animation was great when Aang was out on the water. And, and I also liked the Zuko Spinner Rooney fight. Other than that, I think everything was so kind of basic. And I think the animation kind of reflected that. Um, and a lot, a lot of their talking, I think it just their natural, because people are mostly sitting still a lot, just the animation, I think, was just felt a little bit uh, cheaper. If it feels like we're so, being if it feels like we're being harsh on this episode, I think the next episode that we watch is a good start comparison of like a good full exciting episode with lots of exciting audio visuals and interesting. Like I think the next episode is going to be a stark contrast where it'll be a good reminder of us. Like oh yeah, that's why we rated this one low is because we got this other. I I think it's going to be a good comparison between this one and the next one if it feels like we're being too harsh on this one. Yeah. So gave audiovisual a seven. Uh, story, uh, weighted. One way story forty percent. Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot to change the percentages. Oh, okay. You have uh, yeah, you have thirty-five is your audiovisual, mm-hmm. and fifty for yeah, your story. Like I apologize, I forgot to change that. Yes. Uh, fifty on story. <laughs> uh, gave story seven and a half on here. So we just kind of flip flopped those two, I think. Basically. Um. So Sokka did have some good character growth, um, but we did, like we mentioned before, kind of see the worst in them. I think the worst portion that I saw of Aang, Katara is being responsible. One thing, Katara is kind of a joy kill a lot of times. <laughs> but she's over there gathering her groceries up, groceries for everyone, and uh, he's like, hey, you want to go watch me You know, be on an elephant koi or watch me get on the unagi? She's like, that doesn't sound like fun. He's like, well, doing these groceries doesn't sound like fun either. Now they're just carrying like, your bags. Like, and, like, he just straight up crashes <laughs> here. It's kind of harsh. Yeah, like, uh, it it was really harsh. Like, she is not just doing this for herself. <laughs> like, this is for the whole, this is for them three. Um, so Aang was a jerk in that. I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> he was um. a jerk. And that's a, well, that's a, uh, that's a, a microcosm of the whole story here and why we don't probably like it as much though it just yeah not our favorite sides to see these so, characters uh and then yeah this is one of those episodes where not much you know our, the, the way the characters started is mostly where they ended um maybe except for Sokka he's a little bit more a little bit less misogynistic as he was before he's a little bit more uh open to women being great at, at fighting and being warriors uh, but for the most part Zuko is the same. You know, the story hasn't gone anywhere. It's exactly where it's at when when we start this episode. And really, I think a lot of episodes are, are kind of like, these first couple episodes are like that. Because we don't know what the driving force of this season is really until um, like the mid, maybe until like episode 10, where Aang figures out like, oh, I got to do X, Y, and Z. By this time frame, right um, now so, when he's looking at X, Y, and Z, it really is a variable. Like he doesn't know. Yeah, there's somewhere <laughs> yeah, in the middle doesn't. of this season here where it kind of yeah, clears right now, up just and like, everything oh, drives forward better. This one yeah, really right now it's just kind of them running from the Fire Nation and going wherever Aang kind of feels like he wants to go. Yeah. Whether it's because he wants to go to places he's been before. Or whether he wants to go beyond ride this animal or this other animal. Um, so, like I said, it's the story. Um, I did think I did really enjoy about the story that it helped me understand more about the Avatar. And I just love getting any type of visual cue, cues or any type of story elements back to previous Avatars. I always enjoy that. So that's what made me bump it up that half a point. That counted. That gave love, me some bonus points as well, just to just to see a former avatar in the flesh. And it's not very often that you see. Not sorry, not in the flesh, in the mm-hmm. wooden representation. Um, but it's just not very often that you see that happen in the other places that we go, where there's a statue and a strong oral history of somebody that recent. Um, yeah. This is kind of a unique case in that. So that got brownie points for me as well. Yeah, and the whole island named after one avatar. It's kind of a cool deal. Very few yeah. avatars can probably say that. Uh, and I gave it a seven and a half for memorable. This one's and 15% really, weight. Yeah, <laughs> 15% weight. Um, 
And really, I think I gave it this much because it was my first introduction to Avatar Kyoshi, who is, I mean, it's hard to say she's one of my favorite avatars because really you only get to know five avatars. Yeah. Six avatars, <laughs> really. Something like that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, but she, I just love any type of knowledge or background I can get from her. I love every, every time that, you know, any type of lore is dropped from her. Um, she would she would be a great character to explore more because she really has her impact that she had as la- her the things she done in her lifetime has had strong lasting impacts on things even through Aang's time as Avatar and really possibly even through Korra's time as the Avatar. Yeah, definitely in Korra also. There feels like there's a pretty direct connection, like a tangible connection there still. And yeah. she might be the Which most I guess I can go ahead and explain. The, the oldest one that you can say that for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, except for Avatar Wan, who literally started it. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll go ahead and mention Different this with Avatar, yeah, with Avatar Kyoshi, because it's not mentioned in any of the uh, episodes, but she... Well, maybe I should wait till we get to the Dai Li and stuff. But she created the Dai Li, which Dai Li is this earthbending group. Bunch of jerks is what they are. Yeah, pretty pretty much. But she created them for very noble reasons. Um, so like I said, she has continuing lasting impact on, on the Avatar universe. That's another, you mentioned earlier something about ideologies and evolving. That's another good example. Mm-hmm. Of like when we say yes. evolve, we don't mean from one leader <laughs> To the next we mean like minute ideological shifting over over hundreds of years like there's not like one guy came along and turned the daily into jerks it just gradually happens yeah. and things like that and that's it's fun. funny how this yeah. it's funny how this show does that like now that i think about it, they do it several times i mean with I think the that's how real life happens though it's probably a very accurate no. demonstration of how ideology yeah changed. exactly I mean, things get so freaking uh, warped from their original purpose. Um, I mean, the Fire Sages, which we'll learn, I mean, they used to be all about serving the Avatar, and then it became about serving the Fire Lord. The Sozin, the first Fire Lord who, dang, I'm getting real, like, he first started the war because he wanted to expand the greatness of the Fire Nation, then it turned more into a real racist thing of, like, Fire Nation just need to kill everybody type of deal. <laughs> yeah, pretty dark, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, guess I think that's probably... I, I mean, point to just about any ideology that we have in real life here and be like, is that how that really... what that was intended for when it started? Chances are, chances <laughs> yeah. are not. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's kind of cool no, how yeah, that pops definitely. up throughout the yeah. show. Uh, I can confirm that this math is correct. I did some quick math in my head for your percentages... Not for mine. And this math is still correct. Okay. Man, so, so we're really close. That rounded us out, uh, averaged out with our down to like third decimal place. It was a 7.4, which is easily our least favorite episode <laughs> to this point. But to be fair, it's, it's a very transitional episode. You mentioned up until episode 10 or something like that. We kind of feel a little loosey goosey. Yeah. I don't even care about this episode anymore. Already looking forward to the next week's. But um, 7.4. I think that's probably where most people would have it relatively to other episodes. I don't think anybody would would shed any tears over harsh ratings on this one. It just it has some qualms. It has some has some issues. Uh, any any particular closing thoughts? Stuff that we forgot to mention or talk about? Uh, no. I mean, I think this episode probably gets better when we get reintroduced to Kyoshi a couple over times, and then we get reintroduced to Suki. Um, it, it's so, yeah. impact so that, grows that's, as the season goes on. Yeah, this episode by itself is fairly forgettable, but the characters aren't. The thing the thing that will keep me always remembering, and you kind of had the same thing, is uh, it's a cool introduction to Avatar Kyoshi, and it's a very unique setting. It's probably unlike any other setting uh, that you see in the world of Avatar, probably ever. It's very unique, very very remote, yeah. very different. So that's kind of cool. But 
Oh, something something we didn't touch on is the actual design of the Kyoshi Warriors. Uh, they take clear um, inspiration from the Teenage Mutant Ninja uh, Turtles. I can't. <laughs> Just kidding. No, from from uh, uh, I forget what there is that name, but some cultural thing in in Japan with women and painting their faces. Oh, or is it China? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't. I um... I'm culturally ignorant, so I'm not gonna not gonna. <laughs> jump in here but... <laughs> it might be china and the only reason why i say that is because of mulan <laughs> that's a good we just watched it's... that on netflix like two days ago mm-hmm. uh no i didn't yeah. just... and also we haven't really touched upon is just the diversity of the show um which i think is amazing even though we don't have any black people in it it's okay <laughs> We'll, we'll take this L. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just referred to it as an L. Oh, that's good. Right. It's worth pointing out. I don't. Okay, I don't think we have any any listeners that only listen. I think anybody that does the show probably gets it on YouTube, so they can probably see that you are black. So that's fine. But if there's anybody out there who just listens. Chris is black. <laughs> Take that for what you need. Yes. I hope that adds some context. <laughs> I'm sure nobody just goes to mixed thoughts. That's probably not an issue. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, this <laughs> is a show, and that's the thing about, like, like anime, and the show, isn't, the show is inspired by anime, but in anime, there's not a lot of black people in it. There's not. Ever. There's not. Uh, and and then in the show, also to be fair, there's zero white people in this show, also. So they're like, we're gonna be really diverse. Like the, <laughs> we're gonna be real diverse, <laughs> but not include any white people or black people in it. My we're mind. that diverse. But you know, the Earth, the Earth Kingdom is uh, well. Okay, so the Fire Nation is is all like Eastern Asian uh, people. Um, probably more Chinese or Japanese uh, influence there. And then the water tribe is all, they're either Pacific Islanders or Native Americans. I think of them more as Native Americans just because of their clothing. Um, I would say there's and then the there or it drawing inspiration yeah. from both. Yeah. And then the airbenders are more like Tibetan monks. And in Earth Kingdom, they're the most diverse group, I mean, with their whole freaking huge continent, they have, you know, some clear Eastern Asian influence and also some Middle Eastern with, um, Middle Eastern Asian, Middle Eastern, sorry, Asian also, um, with like the sand benders, I think they're clearly more Middle Eastern. And then, uh, and you got way down in the South. I don't know what those guys are with the, 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 uh, <laughs> the swampy swamp. swamp people. Yeah. The swamp people. That's they a, talk redneckish, but I don't know what they sound like. They, white people to me, I don't. <laughs> no, we're gonna have both white people and black people take L's here. Okay, <laughs> black people can't be the only one not in this show. You know what? It's it's fine. We can sit one out. It won't it won't kill us. Uh, yeah. no, the thing is, I always it is try. Very, it is a very diverse show. It covers a pretty <laughs> pretty expansive region. It seems like it yeah. mostly has origins. Yeah, it, I mean, it all seems tied back to Asia, which Asia is a huge continent, but yeah. it seems like it mostly ties yes, back yeah. to Asia. But that's kind of cool. The thing is, so a lot of times, I I try and, and think about how to reboot the movie of Avatar. So I think about the cast. So like, all right, if I had, if I won the lottery and I won, I don't know, a billion dollars, I would go to Hollywood and try and make movies. I don't need more than a billion dollars, but whatever. Um, and Avatar would be one of my first movies. All right, how would film? I cast that's it? All right. I'll probably, I mean, it'll probably cost a good two hundred million to make, and I'll have another producer anyway. <laughs> the main cast would have to be really close to their original. Um, the Ang would have to look like Ang and be Ang. Katara Sokka had to be Native American, and Zuko had to be Asian, um, Chinese or Japanese or Philippine, something Eastern Asian, and Toph would have to be that way. But then I started thinking about the side characters. I was like, man, once we get to Boomy. Boomy could be like black. He could be Morgan Freeman. Uh, or, or thing is, they I look similar. I would definitely care. You will ever see. Yeah. yeah. And then Jet. I'm so excited Jet. for Boomy. 
Jack could definitely be black. I mean, he pretty much has a fro. And also, he's smooth talking. I could just imagine. Not that white people can't smooth talk, but. <laughs> but we're getting playfully racist. Uh, I'm not going to argue. I don't know if you see me try to smooth talk, but it's not a good representation of anything. Um, uh, and then I was believe... trying to figure out who could be. We just talked about all these different races. Also, we even talk about the fact that Juan was the original air or the the original uh, avatar. His name is Juan. That's got a whatever. I don't know what it means, yeah, but yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. I do wonder no. where that inspiration came from on the creatives on the creative side. But anyway, I think they went one and was like Juan. He's number one and Juan. Juan Juan. That's kind. Of... Yeah. I'm sure, they've never heard that joke before. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we went off on a on a nice end tangent there. We ended with a discussion of cultural diversity uh, in the show, which is good because it really is. It has a lot of diversity in it. Even yeah. if you remove the yes. connections from real life, they do a good job of creating uh, creating diversity in the show just in and of itself. Like I said, even if you yeah. get away from the sort of us maybe picking and placing diversity <laughs> it, it it stands yeah. i mean not, not not only with yeah not only with with race but with gender and with age like everyone any care in in definitely disabilities lifestyles of um, all types um, yeah yes yeah the show is was miles ahead of itself was ages whatever whatever terminology you want to say it was ahead of its time in terms of bringing that kind of stuff into a into a lighthearted cartoon that which we believe isn't particularly lighthearted, it's a very serious cartoon. That's why we're doing a podcast about it. But yeah, absolutely stands yep. on its own. What a great way to that's the perfect way to end this episode. But uh, so that being said, that's the end of this episode. Um, we will do episode number five, which there again, I don't know how how it's going to rate. I got to think about it a little bit. But it is one of my favorite personal favorite episodes. Uh, where it goes. I get pretty excited about this one. So looking forward to the fifth episode, probably a couple weeks because life's a little crazy right now. And not that I do a ton of editing because I don't know how, but enough that it'll probably be a couple weeks. So um, with that, thank you all for listening slash watching um, all two, maybe three of you. There was more than two or three views. That makes me feel good on the last one. So thank you very much, Chris. Thanks for calling over. I appreciate it. I uh, will talk to you in a couple weeks. All right.